Hey everyone, Justin's nephew Jackson wants to tell you where to go if you want to support the show. Yeah. Pay, Pay. Jury. Daily. Dot com. Nailed it. Hello, friends. What's going on, huh? Huh? What's up? What's what, what's shaking? What's happening? What's popping? How we doing? It's the Jury Podcast for July 24th, 2019. I don't know why I don't say the date. Probably should. Probably help people. I'm sure everybody, the, the archivists of the internet, 150,000 years from now, analyzing my work, are uh, wondering. Be a lot easier. If I did it, but I don't. Fuck y'all. All All right. Here's the deal. Uh, uh, I got got this email. We're going to go to an email before we go to the email because we have a great email at the end. Uh, Sean wrote in, Since we, your audience, lightheartedly play guest jury's race, I wonder if your racial fluidity ever brought these types of comments. And he links me to a New York Times article uh, just basically compiling times that people can remember they were told go back to blank right this is probably a a combination of too personal and too heavy for the podcast hell no sean (laughs) come on buddy there is very little that i don't like to share with you guys and i will indeed share two stories Two stories uh, uh, of, uh, you know, slightly more serious uh, race stuff, right? So there are two stories. One that happened a long time ago. One that happened last week, all right? Here's the one that happened a long time ago. Me and a bunch of friends uh, are out at a bar... God, I can't even remember the name of the bar, but it is a bar in Cooper City, Florida. Yeah, this is kind of a... We're we're getting into, like, ranch world a little bit. Like, Cooper City and Davie, Florida, uh, you know, have their kind of more uh, suburban areas. And then, like, it gets into ranch country real quick. You get people building big-ass houses. I think The Rock used to live in Davie. Build a big-ass ranch, right? So it is like rich people come out and they build their they build their big old homes and it's right by the highway, relatively close to Miami, close to Fort Lauderdale. But this place was kind of a shit kickers uh, den, you know, not a country bar per se, but certainly country folks uh, like to come by. And it's late, right? Now, understand in, in Florida, you got two bars and you got four bars, two bars close at two o'clock in the morning and they have food four bars do not have food and they are open until four o'clock in the morning if i'm not mistaken the reason why we are at this bar is because it is a four bar which just lets you 
know where my life was at the time that I was <laughs> frequently finding myself in a position where we were getting closed out of the two o'clock bars and we needed to migrate on over to get that that desperate last hour and a half of drinking. So I'm at this bar and all of a sudden this dude uh, uh, looks kind of in the general direction of my crew and and pulls one of the like la, 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 like that kind of thing, right? Now I guess this was fairly close to 9/11, so I mean uh, the the idea of of of, uh, of Islamophobia was was uh, uh, en vogue. And my first thought, my first thought after he did that was, God damn, I feel bad for the Muslim dude he's making fun of. <laughs> and I start looking behind me, and I see a bunch of white people. I look to the side of me on the left and I see a bunch of white people and I look to the right and I see a bunch of white people and I'm like, oh shit, I'm probably the tannest motherfucker in here. I'll bet you that that dude thinks I'm Muslim or Islamic or whatever, right? Whatever your nomenclature. So I don't know why. Initially, my my initial reaction was not anger. It was kind of a, a bemused confusion. I just didn't know. I'm like, all right, I gotta find out whether or not that dude thought I was <laughs> I was Muslim. <laughs> so I go over to him, the guy who did the la la la, and I'm like, hey. Were you doing the la-la-la thing to me? And dude kind of like bows up. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm not Muslim. And I, I told him my actual race. And he's like, immediately, like, he just melts. <laughs> like all the, <laughs> it, it went from... Like somebody, like a bar fight was about to happen. A hate crime was about to take place, right? And immediately his demeanor went to like mailman who put a package on the wrong doorstep. And he's just like, oh man, you want to know what, man? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's on me. I apologize. I'm sorry. So my number one uh, suggestion to anybody who actually does get racially profiled at a bar, if you just want to move on with your night, look, if you want to get angry and you want to have a fight, that's up to you. But if you do just want to move on to your to your night, just lie about your race. It's fine. People will usually just take it, especially if you're at a bar at 3 o'clock in the morning. So that's the one that happened a long time ago. Here's something that happened last week. In fact, it was one week ago today. So me and my buddy Darren Kitchen, uh, we, we we make this point on Wednesdays. We go out and get drinks, right? And we are going to be, uh, we're, we're out. We usually like to kind of like hop around. We don't stay at one place. We just go. There's a great bar scene in Oakland. We like to dabble around in it. So we find one of our favorites. It's a bar called The Hatch. It's fantastic. They got great food. And Darren was hungry. Uh, and they got great, you know, great bartenders. It's just a great vibe. Love The Hatch. So we look at the bar, we're surveying the bar, and all of a sudden we see that there is an older 
white lady who is kind of encroaching in uh, next to an empty stool that if we made a very polite plea, she would probably scoot over a little bit and we could fit another stool in there and we could sit together. That's the goal. So we go and tap her on the shoulder and we're like, uh, excuse me, ma'am, uh, uh, would you mind if you uh, moved over a little bit? And initially, she's, it's very clear, and this is not late into the evening. This is like 6 o'clock, uh, maybe a little bit later, like 7 o'clock in the evening, right? And she, you can tell she's had a few already, right? She's tied some on since uh, happy hour. And she's a little bubbly, right? But but she's not faced, at least at first. So she's like, sure, sure, sure. You guys need to sit together. You guys need to sit together. You guys need to sit together. That's one thing that you always know. If somebody is drunk and they repeat the same thing three times, that's a problem. You're going to need to move on. Like this, There is rough waters ahead. So she's like, at some point, start saying, oh, you know, I was born in 1943. Now, this is my own damn fault. I'm going to tell you all right now, it is my own damn fault that the next thing happens. She goes, I was born in 1943. I started doing math in my own head, and I'm like, oh, shit. She was 17 for the 1960 election. This election that I've been doing nothing but research on for over a year now. I'm like, oh my God, I can actually just talk to somebody at this bar about this election that I have paid a lot of attention to. I know the ins and outs of. I can get uh, the opinion of somebody that lived through it, especially at a point where you remember a lot of stuff because it is a formative year in your life. 17 is a very important year for a lot of people. So I ask her about it. She has no interest in talking about the 1960 election, and it becomes very, very, very clear that she's not only drunk, but she might have a little something going on upstairs, right? There might be a little bit of a problem for her going on upstairs. So <laughs> she starts, well, there's one thing she really does want to talk about, and that is Vietnam. She wants to talk about Vietnam. Specifically, she wants to talk about the My Lai Massacre. And she wants to talk about some general that covered it all up. He, she kept saying his name. I've already forgotten it. I'm going to think that that happened out of spite because of what happened next. She immediately turns on me. She finds me distasteful, despite the fact that I'm only like trying to ask her questions and, and also maintain a little bit of like personal space. She loves Darren. Darren, she keeps, she keeps uh, pointing at Darren. And so since I'm between the two of them, she starts leaning over me to talk to Darren, and whenever I pipe up, she sternly looks at me, and she's like, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. And I'm like, fuck, three times again. At a certain point, the bartender pulls, uh, uh, pulls her apart, and she's like, he's like, hey, look, you already got kicked out of here twice. You're going to get kicked out of here again if you keep screwing around like that. So she starts lighting into the bartender, an African-American gentleman, might I add. Oh, oh, the men. Look at the men. The men pushing the woman around. So she goes and uh, uh, removes herself for about five minutes and comes back and starts talking shit again. It's at this point 
that I did something that in my 36 years on God's green earth, I have never done before and I will be gobsmacked if I do it again. Because at a certain point, and I feel like the rules of engagement had been triggered for such a moment. She starts yelling at me, I'm not talking to you. And I'm like, ma'am, I've noticed something. You seem to be very polite to my friend here, and you are very rude to me. So I'm going to ask you a question. Is it because I have brown skin? Now, I made sure to say brown skin. I did not say, I did not claim any kind of race. I just made a point. And yes, if you put both of our skins on the Pantone scale, I would be beiged out just a little bit more. But it's the first time I've ever done that. It is likely the last time I ever did that. And I will say this. Holy shit, was it effective? Because she got the fuck out of that bar within the next 10 minutes. From the Don't Trust the Algorithm files comes this story from Engadget. Headline, DoorDash CEO announced that now your tips will actually go to the delivery workers. Earlier this year, the story reads, news reports expose that not only did DoorDash and others like Instacart sometimes lower its payout to delivery workers when a customer tipped, its payment system didn't make clear that this was happening. Last month, it changed payouts to show how much Dasher's income came from the company versus tips, but it still used customer tips to account for some of the guaranteed fee that it would otherwise pay for a delivery instead of simply adding them to an already set rate. Tonight, after a New York Times report gave a firsthand account of what it was like to make deliveries for DoorDash and Uber Eats via bike, and after Uber Eats sent an email to customers touting the fact that they know where their tips are going, DoorDash CEO Tony Zhu announced that his company will change its policies. He tweeted, After a year of research and conversation with thousands of dashers, we built a pay model to prioritize transparency and consistency of earnings to ensure all customers get their food as fast as possible. But it's clear from recent feedback that we didn't strike the right balance. We thought we were doing the right thing by making dashers whole when customers left no tip. What we missed was that some customers who did tip would feel that their tip didn't matter. We did not launch our current model to pay dashers less. In fact, when we moved to it, our average contribution to dashers stayed the same. Going forward, we're changing our model. The new model will ensure that dashers' earnings will increase by the exact amount a customer tips on every order. We'll have specific details in the coming days. (laughs) Yeah, so about that. Basically, what was happening is if you tipped $3... And DoorDash guaranteed that a delivery would make the deliverer $6. The deliverer, the dasher, would still get the $6. And the only thing that would change is that DoorDash wouldn't pay them another $3. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. For all of you, I think we should abolish tips, people. This is... 
the greed of management being algorithmically decided worldwide. All this stuff happens at every single restaurant. Everybody's like, oh, just pay them the right thing. Well, you better hope that that manager's going to pay them exactly what you think they should be paid. Because otherwise, this is what happens. I'm going to have to start tipping in cash. I don't like cash. I don't like to carry it. I think that's the whole fucking point of these apps is that I just want to be able to tip in one thing. Just beep, pop, boop. Look at my phone. Authorize Apple Pay. We're done. What happened to the beep, pop, boop? God damn it. I thought I was promised beep, pop, boop. If I wasn't going to get flying cars, all I wanted was beep, pop, boop. Give me my goddamn chicken. I think I've said this before publicly, but one of my favorite moves that my mom had pulled on me and my little brother when we were growing up, it's something that she learned from a boss of hers, a lawyer, is that every once in a while, periodically, she would look me and my brother in the eyes, make solid eye contact and say, well, what do you have to confess to me? Just random, out of nowhere. She would shake loose so much random shit from me just by pulling that move. And so I hope you understand that although I cannot make solid eye contact in this audio-only format, I absolutely can ask, what do you have to confess to me? Which is what I did on Monday with my chataclysm idea. And at first, there wasn't a lot, right? Everybody wants to be shy, but we have our first confessor to be brought forward. If you're not familiar, if you just are here in this episode, the chataclysm would be a horrifying Black Mirror level. It would be, it's Black Mirror 9-11. All right, Black Mirror 9-11 is what I'm talking about. And it'd be very simple. All of a sudden, all chat history, all text history is uploaded to the internet. And maybe it takes a few weeks or a month, but at a certain point, it is all searchable. So, Anonymous Diamond writes in, if chataclysm were to occur, oh yeah, because I asked who you are going to apologize to. Who do you apologize to first? If now, everything you've ever texted to somebody is made public. Anonymous writes, if chataclysm were to occur, I would probably apologize to my wife first, of course, but next on my list would be a coworker I had a few years back. She was the worst. She made my job very difficult, but because she was adequate at her own job, there were not enough grounds for her dismissal. I'll also add that I work at a city, state, or federal job, so firings are few and far between. She had been busted for using the color laser printer for personal print jobs. It was so many copies that she went through a set of toner cartridges in a month. She received a verbal and written warning. I figured she would not stop, so I suggested to my boss that I install a utility on the server that would track print jobs and the titles of the documents being printed. All I had to do was wait. Two weeks passed and nothing. 
Not a single non-work-related print job. My opportunity was slipping away. So, I got into her server folder and I poked around until I found the documents she had printed in the past. I copied and pasted those titles into a text file. And here's the part I should go to hell for. I wrote a program that manipulated the memory space of the print log utility. I set it to run and then self-delete while I was on vacation. It It had false print jobs originating from her IP address using the titles that I had copied from her folder. She was gone by the time that I returned from vacation. Anyway, I'd apologize for that. Jesus Christ! Oh my God, who can top it? Who can top it? You gotta go ahead and email me, jurydaily at gmail.com. Jurydaily at gmail.com. Who's your first apology in a post uh, chataclysm world? I'd like to thank our producers, the Jan, PD Rave, non-specific rock and roll, Martian Steve, Will, James the OG Brito, Will, and Chris. Folks, you can go ahead and email me, jurydaily at gmail.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Justin R. Young, and you can join our Discord, bit.ly slash jury discord. I want to thank Open Bayou, who gave us our jury story today. Until tomorrow, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying, please give a round of applause to Mr. Wack, and more importantly, please don't Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>